I am an artist living in beautiful Vermont, USA, and I have a lot of questions. So I engage the minds of the people that I meet, poets, writers, artists. I explore what's inside and share it with you. My name is Ricky McEachern, and I am eager to know. This episode's guest is the lead artisan at Goldsmith Atelier, a retail jeweler opening late 2023 in Bellows Falls, Vermont. My talk with Nathaniel was full of many surprises with lots of unique aspects to what he does creatively that I never considered. I am pleased to present my fascinating conversation with Goldsmith Nathaniel Bennett. I am here with Nathaniel Bennett, who is a goldsmith located right here in Bellows Falls. Nathaniel, welcome to Eager to Know. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you share with my audience exactly what a goldsmith is? Traditionally, someone that works with their hands making gold objects. Gold objects are usually jewelry and adornment and such. Other things can be involved too. And most of what you do is is jewelry, things that are worn on people's bodies. Correct, yes. Okay. You and I, of course, had a, a great conversation on the phone preparing for this interview because we had never met each other. Um, and uh, one of the things that you would mention is that jewelry connects people with art uh, because you are wearing it. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like jewelry is is kind of its own subset of art or a, a particular branch of art, much like pottery, where uh, it has a separate function other than just its appearance, which is most visual art or um, auditory art is just for enjoyment. But um, it seems to have a different separate function as well as in our social interactions and how we relate to one another. Now, one of the things that sort of came to mind when we were having that conversation is jewelry kind of reminded me of tattoo in that way, tattoo art, uh, because it is something that is more than just observed and looked at. It's something that is worn and is something that is very personal. Yeah, I would definitely agree with the alignment with any kind of um, body adaption or or um, expression fashion um, tattoo um, any kind anything that alters your appearance to the outward person without relaying something verbally um, I think that's its primary function really as well as connecting with people and people in the past so a lot of the jewelry that I work with and people that I work with want to have a connection with people they've had in the past relatives or um relay something about their present to the outward individual so it sounds like it's just really personal and people have big connections obviously we have wedding rings people have you know they wear the ring that their dad or their grandmother yep. had so jewelry really does have this um, special place with people when you're creating i know some of the the stuff that you create is um custom made for people. Tell me about how you meet with someone to find out what they're looking for. And uh, tell me, tell me about the process of identifying, I don't know, like, I'm thinking of software, like what mm -hmm. the requirements are. I mean, like, it's not, are... it's not really different from any other custom project you might be interested in, in that regard. Um, if you want a house built and you're not just buying something prefab, you have to meet with an architect and you have to meet with builders and 
and get things laid out about what you expect, um, what they're able to do, um, what's realistic, price points. Like there's a lot of information. So it usually takes several meetings, um, an initial meet to see um, if we're both interested in working together, yeah. really. And then subsequent meets about details and more um, design decisions once you know drawings start being made or models start being made there's confirmations that these are this is where the direction we want to go and it's a really step-by-step -step process that you have to be involved with a, a touch point person with throughout the whole thing whether that's a salesperson or the maker themselves all right now i know you have a um you had somewhat of a traditional art art training you went to art school which of course starts with painting and drawing mm -hmm. and all the standard mm -hmm. things and you ended up doing what you're doing now it sounds like what you do now has some unique elements to it so it has this personal connection where you actually have to you know like an architect would be mm -hmm. do as as you shared um, and then you're also probably con potentially connecting with people in with really important things um, in their lives. Maybe they have a, uh, a diamond that was from their grandmother or something like that. Um, but then there's also the creating something specifically for an individual. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole craftsmanship part of it. Yep. Like, did I kind of encompass a lot of it? That's, it, that's really it. It's, it's those elements that you described, <laughs> which are, those are pretty much the elements. And you have to juggle all of those things and make those things work together for the benefit of the customer. Yeah. It also helps if the maker is on board with the direction that it's going. Um, it's a lot harder for someone if they don't agree with how something should be made or the way it should look yeah. and then having to make it. I mean, right. it, there's a there's a difficulty there sometimes. So you have to everybody has to be on the same page, but it, you're definitely juggling a lot of different motivations and different requirements. Um, and like you said, them being very personal moments that yeah. these are usually involved with, mm. uh, emotions tend to run very high. So anything that goes wrong is, can be catastrophically wrong. Yeah. Anything that goes right can be, you know, completely overjoyed, right. You know, yeah. like it can be just perfect and you can make someone's, um, you know, it can be really impactful for people when they get something that's that special to them and it's done just right. It sounds like this is something that isn't for everybody in terms of artists. Like you really have to be a certain type of person to be comfortable and find joy in this type of work. Yeah, I would say if your if your personality is more of a complete artist where you're trying to just express your own vision or your own desire of what you want to portray, it can certainly custom can be very frustrating because you have to give just as much uh, input or and you have to take just as much input as you give is what I meant to say. It's not like it's just your vision that's driving this situation. Yeah. Um, it's only a portion of that, really. You have to be able to know when to step back on your own desires and let theirs show through more and yeah. vice versa. You know when you need to know when to push and say that's not going to be the right thing because they don't necessarily know what they want sometimes. Mm -hmm. They know what they want to see in the end, but they don't know all the things that need to happen for it to get there. So sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. Right. Or maybe they know how they want to feel about it at it's, the end. They always know how they want to feel. Right. And I always, you know, it, it, and that's the real big disconnect. So, because you can't be responsible for their feelings. Yeah. You can be responsible for what you're making, but how to get their feelings tied to this in a good way is where the real important 
part happens. Yeah. That needs to be coincided with the project along the way. If if there's bad feelings, you need to be able to step back and say, what's what's really going wrong here? What do we need to change? It sounds like this is something that really uses a lot of different parts of your brain, which is, you know, yeah. which is really, that yeah. sounds very exciting. And, and, and there's specialization, you know, it's, you can specialize in one thing as much as you want and yeah. go as hard as you want into just one aspect of it, or you can generalize with more of the, the whole industry. So it really, really gives people the opportunity to do what they want within that industry, whether it be creative, sales, design, um, you know, media, whatever you want to do. There's lots of room for that in this industry. Um, and it's a small industry, so people really get to know each other within the industry. And um, Do you do um, jewelry for men and women or mostly women or... I mean, the nature of the beast is really mostly women. It's mostly women, okay. Um, but and that you, is you, turning. That is turning a corner a little bit. I, and and do you wear jewelry? I know. I do. Yes, I I wear my own work, and and the work I specifically do, um, I don't really have a line drawn. I feel like it it goes just as well with male, female, whatever. Um, it doesn't have a defined line as masculine or female mm. uh, to me. Um, I've had other people mention the same thing about the design, which I personally like because I don't see it as a defined um, expression. Um, historically, men have always worn as much jewelry as women. Um, that has changed up and down through the generations. Um, but that type of display is happened in nature just as much you know like there's there's animals that display certain colors for yeah. the same reasons that humans do it right and that i think is really the root motivation for for wearing jewelry or fashion or tattoos or you're trying to display yourself in a way that you connect with and you want other people to see that it really is a part because when you look at history people have always worn jewelry and it really is part there's something about humans mm -hmm. that uh is drawn to that. It's yeah. very. I don't wear jewelry. Um, it's very. I I like it. It's just something I've never done. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'll have to look into it. But that's very interesting when you think about. Um, you know, when you go to museums, and certainly you have all of these old paintings, but then you have all of this mm -hmm. old jewelry that they find. Um, that which yeah. I think you mentioned is something that will it will always be around. It will not. It's not something yeah, that's no. going to. I don't see anything degrade. changing. As far as people's need to do that. And I think it is a need. I think it's deeply ingrained in our psychology, yeah. like tool making, mm. vessel making, yeah. art making. These aren't necessarily things that are, <clears throat> excuse me, that are exclusively functional, yeah. right? Um, we needed a jar for water, but why paint on the outside of the jar yeah. and create an enamel to make it a beautiful yeah. vessel as well? Why not just have it be purely functional? You know, why, you know, like, why do we do these things like adorn our clothes with certain colors? Why do we like color? Yeah. That was a lot of the root of my motivation early on um, was why humans do this. Why does it seem to be such a consistent need throughout human mm. history? Yeah. What do we really get from it? And the only thing I can really come down to is our need for social interaction. It's something that the pandemic showed us very clearly, I think, is that people don't do well when they don't have that interaction with people 
on a regular basis. So how would having printed fabric, what would that have to do with social interaction? So it, what it comes down to is to color and pattern relation to me. Um, people would eventually associate certain colors and patterns with certain emotions and and um, maybe even social statuses at some point. You know? Okay, yeah, that makes um, sense. That's the easiest correlation for jewelry is somebody that has gold on has more money than someone that doesn't wear gold. That's an easy visual relation. Mm. And that's now you've expressed that to anybody that is even near you. Mm. Um, whether it's true or not doesn't really matter. And that's where your expression comes into play. You, you dress for the job you want. If you are expressing something non-verbally to people, whether they know they're picking up on it or not, they are. And you are definitely expressing it. So whether you have intention to do it or not, that's what's happening. And I think people that embrace jewelry and fashion and tattoo and those things are actively participating in that nonverbal interaction more than somebody that just, you know, I am, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I'll just wear what's comfortable or, you know, not put on jewelry or I don't always think of it as an intentional thing, but it does have those real world implications that we don't always consider. Um, Okay. Sh shaving a certain beard style or not having a beard or combing your hair or growing it out or all these things really feed into a tremendous network of social interactions that just go below the surface most of the time, I think. Yeah. It's like it's a it's sort of showing a sense of status by it certainly you, can. Yeah, I mean, can. It can easily do that. You know, whether it's accurate or not. Right. It doesn't yeah. really matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because yeah. that's that's your ability. If you're choosing to do that, then that's that's your ability to change who you are presented to everyone else. I mean, a rich man can go around looking poor as well right. for whatever reason. And I I deal with people with a lot of money and often they do for that for their own reasons. Right. They don't want the attention right now, but sometimes they do. Sometimes you do want to go to a certain dinner or, or event and have a special thing on for that, you know, to, to get a reaction from people or, you know, like there's lots of motivations for people to dress one way or the other or appear one way or the other. This reminds me of, uh, you know, when I was younger and you would look at all of these brands and magazines and you sort of think that it's really wealthy people that are the people that own these brands. Mm. And then when I started, I worked in the um, digital marketing and I kind of got a little bit of an insider view mm -hmm. on how, you know, marketing and advertising mm -hmm. is done. And I realized a lot of this is just aspirational mm -hmm. brands. So these um, brands that present themselves as being this really unattainable and the people, it's looking like it's this unattainable mm -hmm. lifestyle. It's actually really attainable. But you feel like you, um, it's something that you want to yeah. obtain. And then if you're having this product, whatever it is, whether it's a purse, you kind mm -hmm. of look like you are. Well, you've uh, made it to a certain right. level. You've gotten right. to, it's benchmarks that people can easily right. um, match themselves up against for progress, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but I think there, I guess what I'm realized, what I realized was the reality of what these products are. They're not actually quite as mm. um, exclusive as they seem, but they're actually promoting themselves mm. to be, to be that so that when people are um, carrying them, it kind of gives that, that feel that they are yeah. in a special. Club. And that in being in the, specifically the industry I'm in and um, the, the very small segment of that industry that I'm in, I see 
the disparity that you're talking about. These these a lot of luxury brands that you see basically talk a big game, but what is it really? Um, and it's interesting to see people that know because there's customers that do know about the difference of the quality of what they're getting compared to sure. something they can buy off the shelf. They're yeah. discerning. It's much. I would I would liken it much to um, a custom tailor, a bespoke, a bespoke tailor. Yeah. It's almost identical to that. Yeah. Um, somebody that comes to work with me and make something is the type of person that would not buy clothes off a rack, but they would go to a tailor and have something made, not just a suit, but like all of their clothes or like, these are the shirts that I want. And I want 12 of them. And these are the colors. And you know, it's that kind of attitude. They don't want just something. They want something that fits them perfectly. Yeah. They want, you know, they want the pair of pants that they will always want to wear that's made of quality. So they don't have to throw them away in two years and then buy more. There's a different attitude that comes along, and obviously there's a different price point that comes along with sure. that attitude. But if you can afford it, I agree with it in a way because it reduces waste yeah. a lot. And I take that very personally. I was born of the age in the 80s where um, reduce, reuse, recycle was my mantra for yeah. ever. And and I'm still and I'm still with it. I don't see any reason to change that mantra. I want to reduce as much waste as I can, reuse as much material as possible, which is another reason I like precious metals because they're infinitely recyclable. Mm, okay. There's if I don't want to waste something, I don't have to, and I don't. I use very very little electricity. You know, we never really thought of that. So it's just all being re, returned yeah. into different things. Well, because you can recycle gold a hundred percent. What um what what material what metals do you normally work with besides uh, gold? Traditionally, it's gold, platinum. Uh, do some silver work, but generally with the the level of work I'm doing, people want a more durable or more um, substantial metal. Okay. Um, and still, what's your favorite? Silver is great, but it's, there's actually a term for silversmith is generally a different trade. Huh? Um, silversmith actually refers to um, flatware, drinking goblets, that kind of thing yep. made out of sheet silver and stuff like that. Okay. Um, you what, can definitely make jewelry with silver, but it's just... What is your favorite clear. material to work with? Is it gold? Oh, yes. I mean, materials are very important to me. Um, I make all of my own materials myself as much as possible, meaning I make my own gold alloys with different metals that I melt together and and create. Um, um, I like to have... Sounds fascinating. Higher purity metals are my preference because of the the corrosion resistance, essentially. Um, Silver would oxidize over time and degrade like not as quickly as steel, but it would still corrode and, and rust, basically. But it's called oxidation, anything that oxidizes. But gold does not, platinum does not, titanium does not. So can I ask you a technical question? Yes. <laughs> well, I have a, it's a two-part question. Yep. So I assume that you are, in terms of the gold that you use, are you're starting with old jewelry and melting it down? You're not I, buying raw gold. I am. You are buying raw gold. Well, okay. And I buy, I specifically purchase from refineries. These are people that have taken in gold scrap of any various things and have refined it into its pure form. Okay, so you're so you're basically the gold recyclers will then sell me a pure metal that I can alloy into whatever okay. I want. So you're getting like a 24 carat essentially yeah, that's pure gold which okay. is 0.999% pure gold. Okay. Now, it? my part 2 question is now once you alloy it mm-hmm. to make it 14 carat or whatever, is there any way to unalloy it or, or to make it 24 again? 
It, there can is. You, can you do that? There is, and I do not do that. You don't. I don't specifically because it's it, it's used very hazardous chemicals, and if you don't do oh, it the uh, right way, gotcha. you're at risk of polluting yourself or the environment. Understood. I can do it. The facilities I have right now, I'm not interested in doing. It's it. like a chemical reaction. It's not an easy thing to do. It's the worst chemicals on the planet. Okay. So you're really you can dissolve gold into a liquid and then extract that from the liquid and make it into a solid gold. Understood. And so you're really commit. You have to commit to when you alloy it. Yes, I mean to a degree. And I, in my own work, I specifically use one alloy that I can then remelt many times because it doesn't have any base metals in it. So I what alloy do you use? I only add fine silver in a small amount. So it's I, most of my work is 95% pure platinum or 91% pure gold with just a tiny bit of fine silver. Okay. Now, is platinum, is that a hard metal? It's harder. Yes, it is fairly hard. Not okay. steel hard, not titanium hard, okay. but harder. And it do, you said it doesn't oxidize. It Well, I say doesn't oxidize. But it's not like silver. It It is co highly corrosion resistant, meaning that... Um, our atmosphere and other caustic chemicals on our planet won't etch it or dissolve it. Um, there's a few chemicals, like I mentioned, are the ones that can dissolve those metals and then you can reconstitute from. But um, a piece of platinum or high carat gold will lay in the earth for as long as it is not destroyed. It will have no limit to how long it can endure, which is a very strong draw for me. Yeah. Um, endurance being able to make something that would last um and if it did last it was based on not just the material value but the artistic value because the first thing somebody wants to do when they find something made out of gold is melt it down and sell it unless it's a piece of such high quality or artistic value that it's kept in right, right, right. so my made motivation is to make things that are of this quality right of a quality that somebody wouldn't want to destroy and to test myself in a way I feel like if you're making it out of something that is a precious material, that's even a, a harder stressor. No one's breaking down a painting to get the paint in the canvas back. Right. That's not how it's, you know. So there's an extra level of um, criticism that goes across all of jewelry making. Is this good enough to last the test of time physically? And- um, Never even thought of that. Concept. Yeah. Can the concept endure? And a lot of the stuff you see in museums are the things that concept endured because you know if it didn't, it would have been melted and made into something else because of the recycling nature, because of the value of, you know, it's it's been money before. It's a great form of money because it's durability, it's non-corrosive ability, and um, that worked out great for a long time. So people would melt it and remelt it unless it was something that was, you know, of amazing quality or craftsmanship. Nathaniel, I know you are opening a retail space right here in Bellows Falls. This is something that you're working on. Like, when can we expect to see this and what can we expect to see? Uh, yeah, it's been a, a long time coming. I've really been on my own since 2018, uh, independent, and with a motivation to make my own line of jewelry as um, a standalone and not just do custom. And I felt a retail outlet would be the right venue for that. So you're going to be having your own line of jewelry. That's oh. yes. That's the so is it going to be men and women? Is it going to be uh, non-binary, non-binary, gender neutral jewelry? Um, will it be 
rings, necklaces, bracelets, all earrings, of the above, nose everything rings, is, everything. Yep. It's, and uh, that's really why I went on my own was because within the industry, you can, depending on where you are, you can get away with doing a lot of things, but usually you're narrowed down quite a bit into what sells or what people are motivated to sell. Right. Um, what, and this isn't the conversations that I'm having because I'm the one making it. So it's usually based on what salespeople are suggesting or what customers are talking to salespeople about. So I wanted to have um, a conversation with somebody buying something I was interested in making. So it's a little bit of, do, are people interested in buying what I'm interested in making? Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of an experiment and I still have my studio with the retail space. So I'm still doing wholesale work or private work for clients at the same time, but wanted to get back to my own artistic expression in a way, which I had lost, you know, along over the years being in the a more of an industry setting. Okay. And we are having this conversation July of 2023, and you're, you're hoping to have this uh, retail space in Bellows Falls by the end of the year? Yes, that is the hope. Christmas? By Christmas? Maybe? Hopefully. That would be a perfect time. Right. Um, coinciding with a website release and, and um, people being able to access online and um, order online possibly and right. make everything happen a little bit close together. So. Well, I am. Well, it was great talking with you and, Thank you and meeting me. you. And I am looking forward to uh, visiting your space. We'll have to have you back uh, when, oh, the definitely, when the yeah. space is open. Yeah. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.